from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Ships stacked up, trucks waiting in long lines. Why things appear to be changing in the supply chain crunch. Pain at the pump. The East Coast has a, a, a they're really fighting for barrels over there. The demand for diesel in the East and Southeast reaches a critical level. As Russia turns its back on the Black Sea grain deal with Ukraine. This is an absolutely deliberate blockade by Russia. The news sending U.S. grain markets soar. What could this potentially mean for U.S. exports right now on Agri? Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. We begin with a developing story in Ukraine where leaders say potentially dozens of ships could be stuck in Black Sea ports. That's after Russia announced it was pulling out of the UN-brokered grain initiative, which has allowed millions of tons of grain to be exported out of Ukrainian ports in recent months. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken saying Russia's decision is, quote, weaponizing food. He also said this, in effect, means Moscow is saying it doesn't care. People and the families of the world will have to pay more for their food because of withholding these grain shipments, which could mean there'll be less grain on the international market and food prices will go up. Now, Ukrainian President Zelensky said from his perspective, he's seen Russia throttling back the amount of grain that's been allowed out over the past month or so. Russia began deliberately aggravating the food crisis back in September when it blocked the movement of ships with our food. From September to today, 176 vessels have already accumulated in the grain corridor, which cannot follow their route. Some grain carriers have been waiting for more than three weeks. This is an absolutely deliberate blockade by Russia. NATO and the EU are asking the Kremlin to reconsider its decision. Over the past two months, nearly 400 ships exported 9.2 million metric tons of corn, wheat, sunflower products, barley, rapeseed, and soy under that agreement. Grain markets jumping up to start the week on the news. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, what are the longer-term market implications here? Clinton, the initial market reaction to Russia officially pulling out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative was a bullish rally Sunday night with a gap higher opening and wheat up 50 to 60 cents on the highs. But grain slightly off the highs on Monday as the market tries to determine what this means longer term. The key, according to market experts, is how much export business will the U.S. pick up. Russia's suspension of the Black Sea export deal was expected by some in the trade. President Putin had made multiple threats because Ukraine grain was not being exported to the North African nations that were dependent on it. Plus, Putin's goal was to hurt Europe by withholding grain and energy. So the fact that 70, 80 percent of the grain was moving towards the EU, you know, to Spain um, and whatnot, it, it doesn't surprise me he wants to just to start over or just shut it down for a while. Putin is also looking for a way to move Russia's bumper wheat crop, even offering some free to impoverished countries. They offered, I think, up to five hundred half a million metric tons is kind of what the offer was to kind of offset this closing of the grain deal. But yeah, their arguments are they could export 40 million metric tons, maybe as much as 50. However, ending the deal won't completely shut off Ukraine grain exports. Roughly, they're shipping about 1.2 to 1.3 million metric, million metric tons of corn, as well as a million metric tons of wheat. 
out a month out of the Ukraine to Poland and Romania via rail. And he says there's no certainty the U.S. will pick up sales with Ukraine partially shut down because U.S. grain prices aren't competitive and exports are down from a year ago. So the reality is in the big picture, we may pick up a few more sales due to the lack of grain coming out of the Ukraine. But what does that do? Does it really change the balance sheet? There was some farmers selling on the rally, but in this volatile market, Dooling is advising producers to make only small sales. I'm just doing 5 to 10% on these spikes up. Um, I'm, I'm looking at hedge to arrives in March and May for all grains. Um, I think there's opportunities there. These are good levels. And I'm shutting the bin door on a good portion of it because you know, I don't see how this conflict goes just so peacefully that everything flows. So I think we're going to see some opportunities later on. But Now McCormick is advising some sales because even with this bullish news, none of the green markets were able to take out the top side of their recent trading ranges. And because as we saw this spring, if prices go much higher, it will shut off export demand, at least for corn and wheat. Right, thanks, Michelle. As harvest races toward its finish, the diesel shortage continues to expand. Now parts of the southeast are dealing with acute shortages. Fuel company Mansfield Energy is issuing an alert. While the situation has been tight in the northeast for several weeks now, southeastern states are dealing with supply issues. It blames historically low inventories in part for the problem. Prices in the southeast are now 30 to 80 cents higher than the market average, which AAA says is 5.30 a gallon. This comes as exports of gas and diesel have increased, with U.S. petroleum exports hitting a new record last month, according to the Energy Information Administration. The Mideast is actually well supplied. Uh, Midwest is still struggling a little bit. The East Coast has a, a, a they're really fighting for barrels out there because Atlantic Basin and Europe problems. So Exports have risen due in part to the Jones Act requirements that make it costly to ship fuels over to the East Coast. The act requires all goods shipped between U.S. ports be carried on ships built, owned, and operated by Americans. Now, the administration is already working on new rules that could allow the East Coast to boost emergency supplies of gas and diesel. Diesel really needed on the farm right now to aid in harvest. USDA reporting 76% of the corn crop is now harvested. That's 12% ahead of normal for soybeans. It's 88% harvested, 10% ahead of the five-year average. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. My name's Ty uh, I farm in Clinton and Fayette County, uh, corn and soybeans. We are three-fourths done with soybeans and probably a quarter of the way done with corn. Later planted June beans aren't quite ready, so we switched to corn. It's a little wetter than we like to run. We don't really have the dryer set up to keep up with a bunch of wet corn, but we're, we're slowly but surely chipping away at it. Um, our, I would say the yields are, are pleasantly, uh, surpri like surprisingly uh, pretty good the spring that we had and, and all the water issues we had this spring so um, so far everything's going pretty good I hope it stays a, a dry fall and we can get finished a great update there from Ohio on the harvest ongoing dryness is speeding things up right now in the field but it's not without its dangers in the west meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with more 
And as we take a look at your crop watch for today, we are watching fire weather concerns here up across the parts of the uh, Plain States, the uh, central portions here of the Plain States here, and even parts of the southwestern tier of the uh, northern plains. It's dealing with the potential here for some elevated fire concerns. Uh, combine that with some drier air, drier soil, as well as with the wind kicking up, and that's going to allow the potential for some fires that if they do get out of control, could get out of control very fast. Just look at those wind gusts that throughout the afternoon. Oh, we could be looking at some gusts 15 to 30 miles an hour, but check out this wind heading our way for Wednesday afternoon. We're going to be watching a system beginning to uh, take hold across the central portion here of the country, and that's going to kick up a lot of wind. Uh, parts of the Plain States here are going to be looking at gusts 40 to 60 miles per hour here as we head on into midweek. And again, it's all thanks to this late week cold front that's going to move on through Wednesday, Thursday into Friday. That's going to bring with it a big drop in temperatures by this weekend across the northern states and even bringing with it some severe weather concerns across parts of the southern states, meaning Oklahoma and down into parts of Texas. And we want to congratulate fellow Ag Day meteorologist Matt Yurosavik. Matt got married over the weekend in Pennsylvania to his longtime girlfriend, Haley. And it looks like the weather was perfect for their special day. From all of us here at Ag Day, congratulations, Matt and Haley. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. The latest outbreak of avian flu isn't over as officials in Mexico battle new cases. A strain of H5N1 has been discovered on a farm near the U.S. border in the state of Nuevo León. The commercial operation has 60,000 birds. This is the country's second confirmed case. The first was a wild bird discovered west of Mexico City. Meanwhile, in the UK, a farmer was just forced to cull his entire flock of 10,000 turkeys headed for Christmas dinner tables. So far, nearly a third of the country's production has been lost 3.5 million turkeys. In the U.S., commercial turkey farms in Minnesota culled more than 50,000 birds last week alone. So far, some 48 million wild and production birds have been impacted since January of this year here in the United States. In Brazil, a warning about the potential disruption to ag shipments. It's due to road blockades by truckers protesting the results of this past weekend's elections. Reuters reporting far-right President Jair Bolsonaro has made no public remarks following his election defeat to leftist challenger Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. Bolsonaro's supporters taking to social media calling for truckers to block roads to protest the result, and some blockages have been reported. Two ports where most of the country's grains are exported, however, say the protests have not impacted cargo movements. Freight rates are falling as demand softens ahead of the Christmas buying season. The Wall Street Journal reporting domestic shipping demand is falling quickly as inflation cools retail demand. Stocks of goods are starting to pile up, and that's putting a pause on fresh orders. Spot trucking rates from August to September fell for the first time since 2015. Port truckers in Southern California are also scrambling to find loads as imports drop. Truck executives say they expect demand to eventually pick back up, even if it's after the holidays. Some markets making big gains to start the weeks. Michelle is back with an update. And later, instead of just letting your pumpkin rot on your doorstep, why not take your carving skills to a whole new level by heading under the sea in the country? Winter wheat touching two-week highs after Russia announced its withdrawal from the Ukraine export deal. Michelle's back to break it down further in today's Markets Now report. 
Higher day in the grains on Monday. Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics joins us with analysis. And grains uh, chasing the news of the Russia export deal being ended. Uh, do you think we'll see much follow through on Tuesday? I think we will, Michelle. I think that the trade is going to probably have to come to grips with the idea that Russia's energy policy and their food policy are about the same. And, and Russia is not conceding. They're not backing down at all. And in fact, that's what turned us back higher, sharply higher towards the end of the day is they essentially said your agreement between the United Nations, Turkey and Ukraine is unacceptable. And those are their words, which means we will not allow the Black Sea uh, vessels to move. And I think that's what the trade's coming to grips with at this point. And it makes sense because I think if you, you know, kind of game this whole scenario out, you've got a Russia that is trying to do a maximum pain campaign going into wintertime yeah. and they're using the food and they're using the fuel as a, as their means to do that. And I think that's probably where the trade is going to have to come to grips with that as we get closer to the wintertime. How much more premium do we need to put in these markets, especially wheat, but even corn at this point? Yeah, I think the wheat, I'll stick with that just because we're still in corn harvest right now. But when you look at a 15-year low in U.S. wheat stocks, you look at the Argentine wheat problems that are probably not going to be improved upon that much. Uh, you look at the floods in India and you look at the floods in New South Wales, Australia. I would put a, a close to an $11 target price uh, as an overvalue level on my July hard red wheat price right now with clients and subscribers. And so all things being equal, I feel like we need to ration the demand globally again before we run out. Egypt has said they've got about five months of needs covered at this point, but we really have to start thinking in terms of springtime planting yeah. and getting the Ukrainian and the Black Sea back in order for next summer. And I think that's again, where the trade's probably looking headline to headline and not really trying to look too far out. And just quick corn, disappointing you couldn't close over seven. Yeah, it's, it's just a follower because the demand, and that's one of the things that you brought up okay. before we went on air, is you just can't get traction in the corn demand until we get rains in the Mississippi River. All right, thanks so much for joining us. That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. More Ag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by MetLife Investment Management's Agricultural Finance Group. MetLife Investment Management is positioned to help you grow your business with a competitive farm, ranch, and agribusiness loan. To learn more, visit investments.metlife.com backslash agriculture. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us here, taking a look at the jet stream and you keep telling me that there's cold weather coming and, and people need to be ready for it. There is, especially for the northern states across the heartland of the country. We're going to be watching a dip in the jet stream and a pretty powerful cold front that's going to move on through later on this week. And by this weekend, it's going to send a temperatures bone chilling up across some of the northern states. And really the main focus for this week as far as active weather is concerned is kind of watching this upper left hand corner of your screen here. We're going to be watching kind of this dip in the jet stream beginning to take hold and that's going to produce a cold front here as we go throughout the mid and latter half of this week. Here we are paused on Thursday and notice here how we've kind of got that trough out west. Meanwhile, we got a nice ridge up along parts of the Midwest, Great Lakes and East Coast. That's going to keep those areas well above average for a daytime high temperatures are concerned, uh, but we'll be watching this front here that's going to be developing across the central part of the country, and that's going to kind of be the difference here between those two different air masses. And then once we head towards this first full weekend here, 
of the month of November. We're going to be watching some much chillier air, some colder air coming into play here across the northern states. So we're place, talking places like Montana, the Dakotas, uh, Minnesota, even the upper peninsula there of uh, Michigan and the upper portion there of Wisconsin dealing with it with so far the coldest air so far this fall season likely arriving this weekend into the start of next week. We're going to be watching some moisture chances increasing across the central parts here of the country ahead of that cold front where again we could be picking up anywhere from two to four plus inches of rainfall and several systems will continue to uh, inundate and uh, continue to wetten those soils out across parts of the Pacific Northwest and just kind of looking at that drought monitor here again. That is good news for some parts of the central plains here. Uh, hopefully that we can squeeze out some more moisture and uh, try to again uh, wetten those soils. And with that cold front, we're also going to be looking at the potential here for some active weather here across uh, parts of the uh, western southern plains on Thursday. And then as we head on into a Friday, we're going to be watching parts of central Texas here for a more active pattern here setting up here as we go on into a Friday. Walking through the future radar here on this Tuesday. Again, we're going to be watching that system beginning to develop out across parts of the Intermountain West and up across Canada, and that will eventually begin to work its way off towards the south. High temperatures for today, warm across the central plains, highs in the mid to upper 70s. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities. Going into Argus, Indiana, morning fog followed by afternoon sunshine, high temperature 65 degrees. Going on into South Dakota, high fire danger across the southwestern part of the state, dry and breezy. Bachelor, Oregon, snow showers possible. Ag Day, brought to you by Rumenson. Rumenson's quality, consistency, and efficiency make it the right choice for your cattle operation. Rumenson, trusted by generations. China's appetite for dairy products seems to be growing. According to one analyst with the Daily Dairy Report, China's cheese imports were up nearly 23 million pounds in September. That's a 7% increase from the same time last year. While butter imports grew by almost 14 million pounds, up 47% from September of 2021. The other dairy product that Beijing imported in large volumes in September was whey. Those imports climbing 11%, the highest volume in 14 months. It's not a milk product that's generally in the spotlight, but this baking season and others going forward could help raise its profile. Now we're talking about condensed milk. According to Research and Markets, a market research group, the global condensed milk market could grow at a compound annual growth rate of more than 9%, moving from a market value of more than $8 billion in 2020 to more than $15 billion by the end of 2027. Now, besides being an essential ingredient in food and confectionery industries, experts say the beverage industry is also utilizing it more in both tea and coffee. It's a tradition this time of year, carving a pumpkin, whether it's for Halloween or just to celebrate the season. But some folks are taking the whole carving thing to a different level in the country. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation. that Halloween is over, the rush to carve pumpkins is less, but 
Now is a good time to start practicing for next year. Maybe even consider a pumpkin carving contest. Now take a look at this one in the Florida Keys where they do them a little differently. Under the Waves, the annual underwater pumpkin carving contest over the weekend featured 18 scuba divers in competition. Competitors carved their jack-o'-lanterns near Horseshoe Reef about five miles off Key Largo. 25 feet below the surface, the divers created everything from sharks to jellyfish to pirate pumpkins. Curious saltwater fish swam close to nibble on bits of the orange gourd that floated off. The winners got a free dive trip for two to the contest sponsor. A bit of a tall task for us landlocked Midwesterners. And that's all the time we have this morning. Sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Dam, Clinton Griffiths, have a great day.